sharing to Facebook properly? They not, none of them do, I don't think. Yeah. Well, like I just I noticed that we're right up to like episode sixteen on there, but all the other ones aren't there yet. Oh, on Facebook, on like Facebook. full episodes? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I haven't shared a lot of them. Oh, okay. Like, I'm... I only started sharing them recently, uh, and I okay. had deleted all the other ones. Ah, uh, okay. So I'd have to rip them off YouTube to share them if I wanted to do that. Ah, uh, okay, makes sense. Because I was just, that's where I'm going to to try and do those clips. Ah, uh, yeah. On there, so I'm feeding through, like, old ones rather than yeah, yeah. our newer videos. Not that it matters. I'm going to man spread for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I hate Britney Spears' Circus. The song? No. The... Um, film clip? No, no, no. The, I love the film clip. I love Britney Spears. I hate her perfume. Oh, the perfume. Yeah. Okay, right. That so makes if sense. any girl is wearing that around me, I'll almost be like... Gag, really? Because I dated a girl that used Wore to wear that? that all the time. Oh, really? And it didn't end well. And that has stuck with me for a long time. Hmm. I actually, a lot of those Britney Spears. So, like, I remember once Kush wore it, and I was like, you have to Never wear die. That I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. I've never... I never realised until maybe, like, a couple of months ago how much of an association you draw to certain things. Mm. Like, like, people, places, things, smells... Thoughts, yeah, activities. Yeah, like I really like the way Kush smells. It's weird, but mm. I'm like, must be like the pheromones or whatever. Mm. I'm like, for sure. Kush is here. <laughs> Kush nearly is here. She is nearly here. Mm. I'm so excited. Only nine more days. Mm. There you go. Who's counting though? I'm counting. <laughs> I'm counting for you in case you're not counting. Do you have a countdown on your phone? No, I definitely don't. Should I? Yeah. Is that something people do? Yeah. Huh. No, don't do that. <laughs> definitely don't do that. <laughs> mm, yes. Anyway, I feel Gravity like... Gravity is a bitch. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should... Should, should we go delve into this topic? We can. On the podcast? Anyway, uh... Hey, Opinionation, welcome to episode 23 of the Uneducated Opinions <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy, and this is your co-host, Steve. Uh, we're both co-hosts. I don't, it's, it's hard to say co-host, co-host, like host, co-host, co-host, mm. host. I don't know. Um, this is a podcast about everything and anything. Anything and everything. <laughs> we're two guys. Uh, basically, it's a pub conversation where we talk about things that we have no reason to talk about mm-hmm. and usually have no idea what we're talking about, mm. such as this case. Yeah. Um, uh, so the argument we're going to go back into, I don't even know if this, you would call this training related or whether if we're just going to say that this is a shitty physics conversation. But in which case, if it's a physics conversation, we have no right talking about it because it's uneducated as shit. Um, but the discussion that we're having is whether if you can put more or where it started was whether or not you can put more force into the ground or more force output through your body when moving uphill versus moving flat Um, and my I guess uh, opinion on that was because when moving uphill uh, you're at a more I feel like you're at a more mechanically advantageous point because it requires a little bit more vertical force rather than just horizontal force to move um, and that's why I believe that just due to that mechanical advantage in, by comparison I think you should be able to output a little bit more force hmm. I was thinking just then that you're a fucking nerd <laughs> <laughs> no I was actually thinking um, is the contact time Greater. A factor, because like you're going to be contacting the ground for longer, so ground force is going to be greater. Okay, that's a good point, but I guess that I feel like this is why it's frustrating me that you're not saying it from my point of view. Yeah. It's because I feel like that statement in itself almost proves that what I'm saying is correct. Yeah. Like. I don't disagree with you. Like I just the, don't like, know. Like the the fact that you the fact that you make the inference that you're going to be in contact with the ground for longer 
means that you're also making the inference the reason you're in contact with the ground for longer is because in some way, shape or form, it is requiring more force for you to move upwards. Like force is the wrong word, we've discussed this. Like it's requiring more work output for you to move upwards just based on the Wait, pure you saying, fact that you Are you're, you saying like effort is higher? No, I'm work saying... Work output is like effort. No, I'm saying work... Yeah, yeah, but you could perceive effort as not necessarily being... You find a word that... Work output. Work output's good. Okay. Work output works. That's fine. Work output works. Work output is a good word for So your this. work output is, is greater, greater running up a hill than it is walk, running on flat land. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yes. And part of the reasoning is because if you're running downhill, it's easier. Like work output is less. Is that part of your argument? I would argue that. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's all we have time for today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was, a sh- it was a shitty conversation that led down a million rabbit holes that none of which had anything to do with the original question. But yeah, anyway, as, as you move further away from the center of the earth, gravity is flexible. more. Yes, <laughs> as I've heard. Um, but like the biomechanics of that is probably the most important factor. Like the musculature involved is different when running on a hill versus running on flatland, especially the greater the gradient, right? Yeah. Um, speaking of that, what I was really pumped about the other day was the rear-stepping lunges. Mm-hmm. Like your rationale for doing rear-stepping lunges over like a walking lunge or a forward-stepping forward lunge. lunge. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Mm. Uh, just like muscle, like uh, sequencing of like... Um, like the motor pattern mm. um, is very interesting to me. You like that one? I really like that one. Hmm. Why? Explain it. Because like, people, so you're, you're saying so, something to me that no one. Yeah. Else so has like your your rationale is like a like a forward momentum walking lunge. Yeah. Um, is very anterior dominance, like lots of quads, lot uh, like, but there's also like shearing forces of the knee and. Mm. Um, you know, probably uh, overactivation of like, you know, the muscles in it, like off across the shin like as well, tibant, perineals, all of that. Um, so it is good for certain things. It depends on what your goal is. On what your goal is. Yeah. But generally, when we're looking for, as Olympic weightlifters or even sports specific, um, we're trying to cha- uh, we're trying to uh, create stronger posterior. So that it adds in the stability of the of the knee joint, the ankle joint, and the hip joint, mm-hmm. because those are the those are the, the those are the musculature that in the greater population are generally weaker. Yes. Right. So, and those are the things that actually guard against injury, like mm-hmm. s- strong quads, like never saved anyone. In fact, they hurt a lot of people. In fact, they hurt a lot of people. Yeah. So. You know, like it is worthwhile to go back backwards because mm. then you're actually, as you stand back up, mm. you're almost thinking, and even the cues they use where you're like pulling that foot back, yeah, uh, really creates. I was going to say, important if anyone, not that I think anyone does, but if anyone is listening and thinking, if anyone's listening, yeah, if anyone, is, if anyone were to listen and think, I'm going to change. To a rear stepping lunge based on the rationale that Andy's just given, it's important that you cue and perform the movement properly. So it would be very easy if you think about doing a rear stepping lunge in the same way as what you maybe do a forward stepping lunge. You might step back and then drive off your front leg to stand tall from the bottom of the lunge, and then you'd end up pushing off your back leg still quad dominant and probably a little bit of calf to push forwards to your foot. Whereas the cue that we're using and trying to get you to do is when you step back and drop the knee, you want to think about using your front heel to drag your body forward. So you want to try and imagine you're digging your heel in and trying to drag your heel back towards your center of gravity. But obviously because you're connected to the floor, that's going to move in opposite and it's going to force you forward to the front foot. So you're more dragging with your hamstring and your glute and using a hip extension and almost knee flexion 
versus what you would be doing, which would be hip flexion and knee extension, which is not what we're trying to get. Mm. And like, if you were to watch someone doing that well, you'd almost see that the torso and the bar just go straight up first. Yes. Rather than usually if you have a forward stepping lunge, that torso and bar will Move come forward. forward. Yeah. Yeah. And a, um, it's the same thing with the jerk. So like when a jerk recovery, mm. we don't want any forward or backward um, motion of the torso and bar. We just want to go straight up yeah. before recovery. Yeah, for sure. And same as even, well, I guess that's a different point, but I was going to say on the jerk, you want to dip straight up and down as well yeah. and then shift. Yeah, you don't want the torso, any forward or backwards deviation. Um, a good way to, I guess, practice the feeling of that, and it's something that I use a lot as an accessory, um, would be a forward sled drag with the um, either in a harness or even a strap around the hips and thinking about keeping your chest up and reaching forward out in front with your foot and digging your heel in and trying to drag yourself forward. So by keeping your chest up, you don't allow your feet to come back behind your center of gravity and push you forward. So you need to actually, when your chest is up, you need to reach out and drag forward with your hamstrings. It's a really good drill that a lot of sprinters and stuff use mm. as well. A lot of runners use it. Or like a heel-toe prowler push. Heel-toe so prowler push works. Heel-toe prowler push is but hard. But it's different because it's lent over as well. Yeah, also... I, I would get people, I do a lot of, if I do a heel-toe prowler push because I don't have a strap or whatever, or I'm being lazy, yeah. um, like the ones that you've got me doing at the moment in my program when I don't have a leg press, rather than hinging over and Try bending myself, right. I actually just dig my, elbow, my hand, wrists into my hips because yeah. I've got quite tall handles and try and step like that instead. Oh yeah, that works. Yeah. But I could see, also you're doing it as a sub for like a posterior focus leg yeah. press, so I guess I probably could afford to get over. As and well. that would change the movement. Yeah, because that's just like aggressive hip extension then. Yes. More yeah. so then. But then I might fall over. Mm. Yeah. You either get strong or die trying. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. We had, um, I want to say thank you before we get into any of the topics um, that I wanted to hit today to uh, one person in particular, Claire. Claire Hubert, 44. Claire Hubert, yeah. Is, Is it 44? 44? Is it 45? Is that the year she was born? I don't know. She looks good for her age. <laughs> <laughs> so, Claire Sutherland. Yeah. Um, she posted yesterday and put up a whole bunch of... So, she posted yesterday with a whole bunch of topics for us to discuss on There was one topic. Episode. One topic. No, she put up three different topics. Oh, the one you shared was one topic. No, it was three. What was it? What were the topics? Flat Earth Theory. Ah. Uh, How Far Is Too Far? Asking for a Discount. Yeah. And then the third one, do you remember the third one? It was bargaining. Is that the only one you remembered? I only remembered the discount one. The discount one? Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like we can hit that one. Never too far. <laughs> Never too far. <laughs> well, I actually it. have a lot of thoughts about this. Do you? Yeah. Okay. How far is too far if there is too far when asking for a discount, Andy? Uh, I feel like this is a multifaceted yes. thing. And I, I even have in my head how you would break this down. Okay. Go. But do you want to talk about Flat Earth? <laughs> no, we can approach Flat Earth later. Because uh, I feel like Flat Earth ties in really well to our gravity discussion. Mm. Also, <laughs> a running joke on its uneducated mm. uh, counterparts in America yeah. in some way um, is that they always tease that they're going to talk about Flat Earth in every episode, and they never do. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, on this week's episode... We're talking about flat earth. That's great. And then they never do. Flat earth is actually really funny because, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> because people that have flat earth, like some, thing, some of the theory, it's like anything though. It's like moon landing, meaning conspiracy. It's like 9-11. It's like any one of those conspiracy theories. Every now and then someone says something and you go, hmm. No, nah, you're an idiot. <laughs> but you initially well, go, hmm, if, if maybe. If the earth was flat, then we wouldn't have... Um, like great hills to run up. Yeah. Mm, exactly. Well, also, moving further away from the centre of the earth would be a <laughs> mute point. A mute point? Mm. Or a moot point? Moot. Uh, or a moot point? Moot point. It's like a cow's opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Is that from Friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does moot mean? I don't know. Don't know. But I was, I just, I, I was trying to remember the Friends joke. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, to discuss Andy. Okay. What is your multi-tiered <sighs> system for bargaining? Okay, so this is complicated, but the the idea of bargaining right comes across because we talked about supply and demand in like episode three yes right so each party comes to a table to make a agreement on like the sale or purchase of goods Mm -hmm. um and coming to the table with a bargaining mindset means that the consumer has a surplus of money that they're willing to part with and the seller has a surplus of uh, like value goods. that they're of the goods that they're willing to part with. Yeah. Right. Now each of these two parties has a different estimation of what the value is. Mm-hmm. So you have to take into account that in certain products, uh, the value of a product is not predetermined. It's not fixed. It's actually a sliding scale. So the idea of bargaining is that that sliding scale is different for every single person. Mm-hmm. Something like a coffee, everyone sort of agrees that, you know, between 2 to $5 is a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not going to be that much bargaining there. Mm. But as the value of product gets Increases. greater... Um, that that changes because your estimation of what's worthwhile is different from mine. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of cultures, that's why bargaining shows up a lot more. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not very big, like it's, they've said this before, like haggling isn't big in Australia. No. Like it's a very, like people go, a, 90, a lot of people go in and they just pay whatever the product was valued at on yeah. the day. Like, in the store um but it's quite funny because if you actually do have the guts to go in and go hey can you guys do this tv that's valued at fifteen hundred dollars for thirteen hundred for me they'll come back and go oh we can do it at thirteen fifty yeah for you and because i feel like in a lot of like big stores especially electronics stores or um i guess not necessarily services but goods um in a lot of goods they've got a they've got a wholesale price that they got it for that they did it for and then they've got a where they where they're setting it above yeah. that and then they've kind of got a range that they're already willing to come to like they've already they've already said okay this is what we want to sell it for but we're going to put it for this because every person's going to come in and go okay I'll pay for that but then the odd person that comes in and tries to bargain we can go oh yeah we can give you this deal yeah even though they're definitely still making money on it otherwise they wouldn't give it to you Mm. Well, but to go to your yes, supply and demand, is that then, is what you're saying, if there was a limited supply on something and still a large demand for it, coming to the table trying to bargain's Silly. Silly. Yeah. yeah. Because they're, they're going to have people that are going to pay the full price, so why would they sell it to you for cheaper? Yeah, so a seller um, allowing for bargaining is him deciding that they, there's enough surplus of customers that he, the sliding scale will always benefit him. Mm. So in that, let's say we have the coffee and he sets a sliding scale, um, it means that a richer person who values that product more is going to pay more and then the person with a little less money um, who values the product a little bit less but still needs it will buy, buy it for less. Mm. Mm. But at the end of the day, he's still selling it. So he's actually just going, okay, if the person buys it for $5, that's amazing. But I'm also just happy to sell it for $3. I'm still getting my profits worth. Mm-mm. You're still making a profit. There's still margin there. There's still margin there. Yeah. yeah. And you can always make more coffee. So, like they're, it's, <clears throat> so it's only if the product is at risk of running out, really. Mm. Like, so if you use like an electronics store, for an example... Like, they're always going to get more computers back in. So, like, selling to you as a little bit cheaper, they're just they're getting restocked the shelves and someone else can come in and buy it for more expensive. They're not 
feeling like they're going to lose money or potential money by selling it to you for cheaper. Yeah. Is that the, the idea? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. As long as they're not losing money and they're still making money, mm. um, then I think they're going to be happy to, to do that. Okay. So what, at what point do you draw the line on bargaining Okay. as so, a buyer? So then you also have to take into account like cultures. So different cultures are, like you said, more into haggling than other cultures. Mm. Some cultures is actually rude to not haggle. Like it's so ingrained. Mm. And some cultures, it's rude not to enter a business relationship before you start haggling. So for example, like in China, uh, haggling over food is like a no-go yeah. because it's a necessity. Yeah. Whereas haggling over... Uh, any other good is fine. Mm. Um, or in, <clears throat> I think in Japan, like you want to enter into a business relationship first mm. and actually like talk and buy and sell and then haggle later. Mm, mm. Like as, as the business relationship continues. Yeah. Um, so it all depends. Now we're going to bring this to Australia where haggling is something that is not endemic in our culture. Mm. But we're a, a culture that is very much like built on immigrants mm. and a lot of immigrants are haggles by nature. Yeah. Um, I think twice, twice to three times, any more than that is too much. Twice to three times trying to get them to come down. Mm. 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 So what's your... Percentage values? Is there a percentage value? I don't know. I'm asking you. Like, would you say there is? No, not really. Because you have to understand. So like, let's say we have a product that is $100. $100 is easy to calculate yeah, yeah. from. $100. We know like 10% GST. So like really the product is selling for $90. Mm. We, we wear the cost of that 10, mm. but the government takes it. Mm. Then you've got the cost of like the product itself. Mm. GST isn't a dodgy tax. Sorry? GST isn't a dodgy tax. Isn't? No. Perfectly reasonable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything okay, about yeah, it. I'm yeah. just saying like it's No, I was saying it is. Oh, it is dodgy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got the, like, and then you've got like the cost of like staffing, all of that, which can, you know, actually be quite large. Mm. So it also depends on the sheer volume of product that, that you're selling. Mm. I think Claire used the example of a car though, mm. which is a big ticket item, which is yep. very much a lot of people will bargain on. Yeah, well, it has a lot of room to bargain as well, which yeah. 100%, if you'll buy, that's one of the things that also where I think, where is the acceptance on bargaining? I know you've sort of already touched on it, but it depends on the value of the product, right? So yeah. the greater the value of the product, the more room there should be for a bike, like the more acceptance there is on bargaining. So if I'm going to spend $40,000 on a car, it should be expected that I'm going to try. I'm not going to walk in and go, yep, I'll take that for $44,999. I'm going to walk in and go, what's your best price on that? Because I'm not paying $44,999. Mm. Mm. Who's the impetus on to set a starting price? Hmm? Who's the, who, who has the impetus to set the starting price? Like, well, the seller has already set the starting price by having it on sale. Yeah. So, but you walking in and saying, what's the best price you can do is not a good bargaining tactic. No. Going in and saying, will you do it for me for 35? Yes. Yeah. That's a better bargaining tactic. Because mm. then that gives the seller an idea. So, I think it's not that there is um, a certain amount of times or discounts that you can ask. Mm. I think if you both are communicating well, mm. bargaining goes down well. Mm. That would be my rationale. Yeah. So like if you walk in and say, what's the best price you can do this for? Mm. That's a shitty way to bargain. But if you walk in and say, oh, can you do this for 35? And they're like, actually, no, like this is the reasons we can't do it for 35, yeah. but we can do it for 40, because it was 44,999, right? Mm. 40, and then you go, okay, 40 is much better than 44, mm. but I can't actually afford that 
mm. if I'm going to do these things, like I want to get these floor mats, mm. these, um, everyone has power steering now, so <laughs> I want roof racks and I want this, um, you know, gold, I want this custom number plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Is it a 21-year-old girl buying this yeah, car? <laughs> yeah. Um, can you can we can we just include that for this this price of forty thousand? Mm. Then your guy comes back and says, "Hey, we can include this, this, and this, but not the number plate because that's actually uh, the RMS's issue, not RMS. yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay." And then you go, okay, that seems fair. Or if you're a crazy person, you go, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm walking out. Here. Yeah. See, I actually, I actually don't mind what's your best price as a bargaining tactic because I hate it. You hate it as a seller. I hate it. You hate it as a seller. Yeah. See, I tell me what tell me what you value my product at, mm. and then I can either tell you, like, hey, that's okay, or mm. hey, fuck with. Like don't value me, me so low. <laughs> yeah, it depends. It depends a little bit on the product as well. So as a, as a seller in some relationships, as a seller, for example, a gym membership. Yeah. As a seller, you need to have a relationship with clientele, um, and a lot of people obviously say that even in selling a car, for example, you need to try and build a relationship with your clientele because that's how you get the best sales. But from a buyer's point of view as well, I don't really care about you as the salesperson. I'm trying to just save money on the product yeah. that I'm trying to buy. So despite the fact that it pisses you off when I go in and go, hey, what's your best price? That is a good way for me to go, hey, what's your best price? And you go, we can do it for 43 And then I go over to the other Toyota dealership on the other side of town and go, hey, what can you do this for? And then he goes, 42 Then I can come back to you and go, why does he say he can do it for 42 and you're telling me you can only do it for 43 What's your actual best price? Because otherwise I'm going over there. And you go, yeah, okay, we can do it for 40 and a half. And then I go back to him. Yeah. And like, at the end of the day, as much as, this is my opinion on yeah, yeah. bargaining a little bit, as much as it may be a little bit of like a low, low shot to people to keep bouncing back and forth between people, at the end of the day, you're potentially saving yourself $2,000 or saving yourself $6,000. And... From a buyer's point of view, how important is the seller's opinion of you? Is it four thousand dollars? Yeah. Important because if it is, by all means, like have that awesome relationship with the seller and shake his hand at the end and say thanks for dealing with me and screwing me out of four thousand dollars. But or you can not have as good a relationship with the seller, but you save yourself four thousand dollars. Which to me, I'm probably never going to see that seller again. Yeah. Um, they're still making money. If they weren't making money, they wouldn't have given you the price in the first place. They wouldn't have allowed you to come down to that. So that's, in my opinion, a little bit like, why would I potentially lose money myself just for the sake of maybe being a little bit nicer about it? Yeah. So I truly used to, like, I'm Sri Lankan. Like, mm. bargaining is in, like, <laughs> You're dark. Like, if you're a car salesman and you see, like, one of us coming, you probably like, fuck, <laughs> I'm in for a hard, hard yeah. trial. Because like, like Sri Lankans, Indians, like all yeah, of us, yeah. like we're very much known for doing exactly what you just said yeah. and being like the shittiest customers to deal with. Yeah. Now, what I was talking about is not about gym memberships or like aquarium stuff. It's more yeah. so about like selling stuff on like, Facebook Marketplace or whatever, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. where people will just ask you, like, let's say I'm selling, you know, um, this TV, this TV, like, so, so, you know, I'll put it up the price as like, does the TV come with the uneducated opinions background? It does now, <laughs> but let's say we're selling this for $200. Mm. Um, someone will come up and be like, Hey, what's the best price? Mm. And I'll be like, $200. Mm. Dude, this is like a five grand TV. We're selling for, t it's not, but like yeah, yeah, five yeah. grand TV, we're selling for $200. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay. And like, they have, they've got nowhere to go. Yeah. So as a bargaining tactic, it's not actually 
a mm. good tactic. Yeah, but that the I guess the that example I would agree it's not a good tactic. But that's because you only have one person, one person selling one TV. Mm. You, you don't have the ability to then go over to another thing. Whereas if you're looking at buying a car, for example, you can go to two separate Toyota dealerships, buy the exact same product, get a quote for the exact same product, and go back and say, look, why are they doing it for this? And you're saying you can only do it for this. And that forward, whereas mm. I don't have someone selling the exact same TV on the Facebook marketplace where I can go, okay. I think it's in your best interest mm. as a buyer, like if you want to get the best deal, to make an offer mm. that starts the bargaining off. Mm. Because then, cause if the seller makes the first offer, you're already on the back foot. Mm. But then how are you getting the... How, like at what point that's a good okay that's a good question to follow on at, so, like do you know the reason why cars cars have such a huge room for bargaining tell me so the the real reason with all those big ticket items mm. is that no one truly knows the, the value, value of yeah, the yeah. cars and no one knows enough about cars to make a value assessment on them yeah yeah so my question though is if you're going to make the first offer yeah what percentage or how low do you go on your first offer? Because obviously, if you're going to make the first offer, you want to make sure you go below what they're willing to sell for, for their best price. You want to make sure you go below that. But also, you need to be very careful about not lowballing so much that people go, yeah, you're a joke. Mm. Yeah, so you like you would take into account, and you'd be able to Google all of this information. Mm. But like I said, you start at the top. Like, what is the what's that red? Um, is it red line that you can look at the value of cars? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, so like you'd look up the value of the car. You'd look up car sellers, like what cars are going for. Mm. I think uh, like a really like a second hand. Like if you're going for a second hand car, really easy. Also. Never buy a brand new car. Are you crazy? Like, what a waste of money. Like, they depreciate so quickly. Mm. Um, sorry. <laughs> I bought a brand new car. Yeah, what a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> Have you paid it off yet? No. Are you in debt? A little bit. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a real, like, I'm very anti getting yourself in debt. Mm, yeah, yeah. Just for like, I just think it's for like financial freedom. You don't need to have a lot of money to live, mm. but if you're in debt, you like do. it sucks. Yeah, and that's just the way I'd, I'd like to live my life as much as possible. Mm. And like, I have like, but can lots you, of credit cards. Can, can you not look at the? Can you not look at paying rent as essentially being in debt somewhat? Because if you're if you sign a three-year lease for a place, you are in debt for the total sum value of that three years in the same way that you're in debt for a three-year portion of your 30-year mortgage. Because if you're going to lease for... I understand, and I know because we've had this discussion before, yeah. like you have other things on top of like rates and everything that you need to pay yeah. on a property when you're already also paying off a mortgage on a property that you own. But by renting for the remaining uh, 20 years of your life. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't find that funny? Okay. Oh, <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm so wrapped up in okay. the actual... For the remaining yeah. however long of your life, if you've got another 60 years left and you're going to rent mm. for those 60 years, by the end of the 60 years... I'm sorry, I didn't laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the end of the 60 years, have you not essentially been in debt for that 60 years because of the amount of money that you've had to pay in rent week by week? No, because it's not classified as debt. It's a liability. Okay, it's not classified it's as not debt. But debt. It's not debt. Like you're indentured to pay it, but it's also very easy to break. Like leases are super easy to break. Mm. What's not easy to break is a mortgage. That shit you take to the grave or bankruptcy. Mm. Um, I think there is a time and place to go into debt and mortgage is potentially one of those mm. and there are simple not simple there are calculations you can do mm. to decide whether leasing or buying is the best option for you mm. um, like and you can calculate that qu 
quite easy. I downloaded that book this morning, so it's funny that we're talking about it now. What book? That uh, I Can Get You Rich. I'll Teach You To Be Rich? Yeah, I just got rich. it over there. Oh. I'm glad I just downloaded it. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you want to listen to it, right? You're not yeah, I'll listen to it, yeah. it yeah. Yeah, it's a good listen. It's like she read. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually a really good book. Um, he's Indian too. And he actually talks about um, bargaining in his book. Yeah. yeah. And how important it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's because he's Indian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really funny. He's a yeah. super funny guy. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, leases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a time. But, like, I think car leases are very frivolous mm. Mm. maybe I also look at it at another way where you buy a car for example that I bought yeah it's I know it's a, it's a very shitty way of doing it I understand that but it is kind of for me personally a little bit like even though it's depreciating in value I understand that it is a little bit like a forced saving because by the end of the lease like for me well you are on a car lease yeah Oh, okay. That's different to buying a car and um, being in debt for it. No, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, no. Sorry, I'm financing it. Oh, okay. I'm not on a lease. I'm financing it. Um, So, by the end of the financing, like, it's money that I probably would have spent and not saved because I'm a terrible saver. Whereas, in this point of view... So, you should be better at saving. Yeah, I should be better at saving. It's money that's coming straight out of my account. It's not that much a week. I barely notice it. And then at the end of the four-year finance, I'll sell that, have twenty-two, dollars $23,000 that I'll just buy a second-hand car with and then have a little bit of money left over to save. Just chuck straight into it. Why would you just keep this? Sorry? Why would you just keep this after four years? Hmm? You already own it. Why would you go back four, into debt? Because after... I'm not going to go back into debt. I'll buy something with the money. But because after that four years, the like a Hilux doesn't depreciate that much it that's depreciates correct. a lot as soon as you go out the door yeah. but if I can sell that before it hits 100,000 I'm going to get a lot more money for it than trying to sell it in at 200,000 yeah. when I want to change a car yeah that's fair mm. um, I still think cars are frivolous purchases mm. but I understand if there's utility in it as well mm. so example like for me there is utility in my mm. car because I use it for work. Mm. For Shannon, there's utility in his car. So mm. having like a decent car actually very much helps him. Mm. But for someone like you, like... No, for tax purposes, You that probably is don't need um, a ute. Being serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the other value that it adds, like the ability to go forward driving, which yeah, is yeah. a passion of yours. Yeah. The ability to go hunting to all that stuff, the ability to pick up chicks. <laughs> because you got a cool Hilux, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And I often look back at that particular purchase and go, <sighs> but also I'm now going to argue for it so that I feel better about it. Yeah, that's fine. And I, like, I, I honestly, I like nice cars. Like, mm. Frank got a new car today and I went out and I was like, oh, let me see it. And he's like, oh, do you want to drive it? And I was like, no. But like, so like cars, like I like them and I appreciate them, mm. but I'm also not someone who like puts a lot of stock into like fancy cars. Mm-hmm. You also though, I mean, I'm sure yours hasn't really cost you that much because it seems to, I don't know how much work you have to put into your car. Not much. Not much. And it seems to run fairly true for you. But... um the other side of the coin is I buy a Navara for eight thousand dollars second hand. It's got one hundred and eighty thousand Ks on it, and then every year it costs me another two and a half thousand dollars in services and repairs yeah. because things keep breaking. Or I buy the new car; it costs me one hundred and eighty dollars a week. Um, by the time it hits the four-year mark and I've finished financing it, it hasn't cost me a cent in services, really, apart from the once every three months it goes in for a $200 service at the mechanic. Hmm. It hasn't cost me a cent in engine breakdowns, anything like that, whereas that second-hand car over that period of time, that four years, has probably cost me another seven grand 
having to do the turbo once, the head gasket once, something, 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 something. And at the end of that four years, I can sell that. It hasn't cost me an extra cent. I get back more than half what I paid for it. Just That's probably just because it's a Hilux though, not necessarily because yeah. it's another car. And it hasn't cost me a cent in repairs. So I think for to take this back to bargaining, mm. um, those are all things that you would take into account before buying the car as well. Mm. So the, the main problem as a buyer is that you don't have enough information. Yeah. So like I would go online and be like, how much, like, just type in how much is this car really going to cost me yeah. and there will there will definitely be formulas there that will mm. tell you like the future cost of mm. your car so you could have so you could like when you bought your ute you might have done this mm. but you can calculate what i've actually what i'm actually going to end up paying for the four years that i've owned this car mm. um in servicing and stuff and then you can compare it to what you would pay because mm. you've had an old car before Mm. So you know how much it costs to keep that thing running. Yeah. And you can calculate how much that is. And if mm. it's greater, then you go, cool. If mm. the peace of mind is more, you, you can put a value on that too. Mm. That's why people buy like expensive cars, right? Mm. Like, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to buy a Toyota over a Mitsubishi mm. or whatever. Mm. You're like, there's a certain value on that peace of mind too. That it runs well. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, br- you're paying for branding as well. Mm, yeah, like, okay. why are you not buying? Like, why I don't buy an LDV van mm. over a highest, even though my highest is a lot older. Mm, mm. Like, I put a lot of stock on the fact that Toyota highest has run forever. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, for Touch sure. Wood. Hopefully, mine doesn't break today. Yeah. <laughs> How long has it been since did you get your serviced as much as you should? Yeah. Yeah. yeah do you service good. it yourself? No. No. Who do you take it to? I just mechanic up the road. Mm. Next door. Next door, okay. Oh, there you go. Do you have a good relationship with him? Yeah, do you have a better mechanic? Hmm? Do you have a better mechanic you're selling me on? No. Oh. No, I'm not going to sell you on anyone. Because no. oh. I'm always looking for a deal. Oh, yeah? <laughs> 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 no, I just, I just like... Actually, you know, I'm weirdly loyal with... You're fine. Uh, I'm weirdly loyal with stuff. So am I. Like yeah, Almost to a fault sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll go to a mechanic for, like, years mm. and, like, only change because of, like, absolute must. Mm. Yeah, like, I will um, go back and, without question, buy tyres next time I have to do tyres yeah. off the guys at McGrath's Hill that I got these tyres off just because they did me a good deal on these ones. Mm. And they could screw me on the next one because they won't remember me. But, yeah. like, I'll be like, oh, they did me a good deal, so they'll look after me again and I'll just go over there and do it. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, for sure. Like I'll, I, and I will pay more for things. Like I value service above a lot, mm. mainly because like I, I guess I've worked in the service, in the service industry. industry. Yeah. And like even when I was working retail, like I like I I really enjoyed it when I got a customer, when, when I had a good relationship with a customer. Yeah. So if I can have that with a buyer, like mm. I will like that a lot. Too. There's a guy at. I don't know if he listens. If he does listen to this, um, he'll know who he is and he'll hopefully bring it up with me. Um, but he kept going into the Nike store at yeah. Rouse Hill and he was going in there. He went in to buy a shirt once, right? And then there was this good-looking chick that worked in there. Yeah. Um, and he ended up chatting to her and whatever and they were chatting about shoes and that sort of thing. And he bought himself a new pair of shoes as well. Yeah. When he'd gone in for the shirt, yeah. and only the shirt, just because he ended up talking to this good-looking chick. Yeah. And um, then he went back in there like a week later because he was going to ask her for her number. Yeah. And he started talking to her again, started talking to her again, chickened out a little bit on asking her for her number, ended up buying another pair of shoes. <laughs> 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 and then left. Anyway, he eventually did ask her for a number and actually went out with her. Um, oh, really? For a little bit, which is cool. Yeah. Which is funny. Um, and then he decided he wasn't that interested anyway. But that was a like four hundred dollar phone number. Wow. <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's how good is that service though? Like from a marketing point of view. Yeah, like... value judgment. So like the I used to work in door to door sales. Mm. And wow, you're a wanker. The, yeah, so I, I understand. <laughs> I understand like the douchery that goes ar- along with sales and selling. Yeah. Um. And you know, like the pretty, pretty girls mm. would 
kill it. Mm. The sure. ethnically ambiguous men, mm. like, that, you know, potentially may, you know, rob and come back later and murder you with bombs screaming, you know, crazy languages, uh, they mm. didn't do as well. So I didn't sell much. <laughs> Did you actually not sell much? No, I didn't. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, I'm pretty charismatic. Did you have but KPIs? Like, you uh, you, no, because you sold your, your... What were you doing? Your only... I sold energy. Okay. So I was like, hey, have you heard of Australian Power and Gas? Mm. What are your rates that you're currently on? 12%. That seems high. I can get you down to 10%. Would you like me to come in and explain this to you? No? Well, you know what? I can just check your meter and we'll, um, we'll see what rate you're on if you don't really know. You can't check your meter and see that. You don't need to know your bill. We did a lot of dodgy stuff. Mm. In fact, Australian Power and Gas got fined shitloads because of the company I worked at, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> because of you, solely you. No, I quit. I quit really quick. I only worked there for like Why? two months. Because I, ha- I hated it. It felt so gross and disgusting to mm. do. Because like, like you have to think that the people that are like buying this are like old old women, yeah. old men. Like, yeah. Who just take people at face value. Yeah. And you know, we had nice suits on and yeah. looked fancy. Seemed like a nice guy. Professional. We seemed like nice people. Um, I feel bad for like... You seem like a nice person on this podcast sometimes too. Sometimes. Mm. That's because I've done all the bad stuff and I'm, I'm a nice person now. I'm mm. a reformed person. What kind of bad things have you done, Andy? Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, back to bargaining. <laughs> so now that we're in this psychiatry session. <laughs> back to bargaining. Yeah, so I think the, um, the key take-home points is if you're from a nation which supports bargaining, you're allowed to. And if you're not, you just pay full price. What? <laughs> That's the key takeaway? What would you say, how would you sum up our bargaining topic? If I was only, if you were allowed to have one and I'd a say half 20 minutes, to 30%. 20 to 30%. Yeah. That seems high. Well, 10% is already GST, so they have, they've already inbuilt that into the system. So if they, if you get a, if you get the 10% off yeah. and you get the So new, you get the 10% so off. So you're no longer paying GST. Yeah. Does that mean they just pay GST? Yeah, or you so pay cash. Can you imagine trying to buy a car with cash? Yeah, I've bought all my cars with cash. Yeah, but you're buying second hand. Yeah. But even at a dealer, I'd be like, will you do better for cash? Yeah. And I would, I would pay cash yeah. if I could afford it. <laughs> That's funny. But you'd never pay cash, man. Not for big purchases. <laughs> you don't know how much cash I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this car is now off the books as well (laughs) (laughs) no but you know you do want to like you can do that Mm. because even places like the good guys Mm, they will still do better for cash even though they'll just wear the 10% are they doing that out of um, tradition Tradition. yeah 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 so they'll still declare that and wear it Mm. but they're just doing it out of tradition yeah yeah it's kind of cool and then you see like small stores and stuff that are like still hidden like in Auburn or something and like it's like cash only like yeah. for food and stuff and it's like yeah that's because you're pocketing 35% of all that cash when I worked in, not when I worked it. in retail we did the 10% for cash yeah. and it'd just be like hey boss here put this in your pocket yeah <laughs> and um, then did you guys get a percentage of that no we didn't work on commissions hmm. do many like small retail businesses work on commission if they it depends on the managers and ownership. Like, yeah. if they value, like, sales above everything else, they will. Yeah. I often wonder whether, like, having commission-based retail is good for sales or if it breeds a bad culture of, like... Bad rapport with clients and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know what I realized about myself the other day? I'm a really easy sell. Like, I'm not a hard sell at all. And I came to this conclusion when I sat down to have breakfast and I ordered my meal and I had had ordered my coffee, ordered my eggs Benedict and then the girl had taken the menus from me and was about to leave and she goes, 
did you want any sides with the eggs benedict and i was like give me back the menu and i ordered three sides <laughs> i wasn't going to order a single side at all and she was just like do you want a side and i paid an extra 12 dollars for sides. Oh, wow. <laughs> was she pretty yes yeah i'm a sucker for a pretty waitress as well or waiter hmm Actually, I'd suck for good-looking people, like, even even men, if they're, like, really charismatic, mm. and, like, they would, like, say something nice to me, mm. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> and I would buy it all. Buy everything? Buy everything. So, I think we should close on that um, topic of you being a little bit in touch with your feminine side. Yeah, 20 to 30%. That's my final offer. 20 to 30%? Final offer. Wait, what does that work out to be, though? Take so it or leave it. Off a $50,000 car, you're talking about paying between 35 and 40. Yeah. That seems like a big chunk. No, that's what you asked for. Oh, to begin with? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. Where you end. Mm. So, on a $50,000 car, I would maybe go 25 and I'd go, I want 37500 Be a good starting point. Yeah, because that gives you enough value to um, that look makes it look like you're not just a joke, mm. but also makes the so you, the seller will take you seriously, mm. and then the buyer can be like, "Cool." Okay. From now on, I'm going with twenty five percent. Good start. Cool. Alrighty, thanks for listening to Uneducated Opinions, episode twenty three. Oh, Claire, tell us if you liked our answer or not. Oh, yeah, Claire, tell us if you liked our answer or not. We're going to go back to Flat Earth Theory next week. Um, We still haven't talked about the education system. Flat Earth Theory and education system potentially next week unless we decide on something else. If you guys have any topics for us to talk about, chuck it up on your Instagram story, tag us. Uh, We'll go through... That was really fun. Yeah, that was a fun topic. That actually kept me up at night last night thinking about... Did it? Yeah, because I studied this and and like at uni. At uni, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I always forget that you did a degree. Yeah, me too. Mm. Sometimes I wonder where this greatness comes from. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Hit that little notifications bell as well to make sure you get notified every time we put up a new episode. If you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to take a little screenshot, chuck it up on your story. Let us know that you're listening. We'll give you a share. Um, We'll mention you in the next podcast. If you do have topics for us, put those in your story as well. Um, I'm your host, host, Steve. uh, And you can find me on Instagram at SteveNorman250. This is my (laughs) co-host, Andy. Uh, You can find him at TrainWithAndy on Instagram. And you can follow us if you're not already, which you should be, at at the uneducated opinions on Instagram at at uneducated opinions on Instagram but it'll all be on the screen when you're watching on YouTube oh now now it has to be yes now it has to be alrighty guys thanks for listening see you next week bye